Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. world. This is Andy Richter, and you are listening to The Three Questions with Andy Richter. For those of you who don't know, the three questions are, where do you come from, where are you going, and what have you learned? And I can't wait to hear the answers to those questions from my next guest, who's one of my favorite people, Ron Funches. Hi. Hi, Ron. Hi. I didn't know there were questions involved. Yeah, yeah, but they're easy. Yeah. Like they're easy. The- I mean, you just wing them. You okay. Know? I mean, I basically want to talk about your feelings and dreams. I love that. Yeah. That's I, I, I know do. you do. That's You have a podcast. Yeah. Pitch that. Go ahead. Plug sure, that thing right away. Sure, it's called Getting Better. Yeah. Pretty much similar thing. We just talk about getting better at craft, our craft, our life, uh, just all types. Types of things, relationships, sex-wise, career, of course, but all types of things, and it's fun. And I think, it, and I give a lot of guests compliments, which sometimes seems to be unnerving for comedians. And yes, I, I like. That. I kind of, I've been doing that here too. This is a pretty new one, but I've, you know, I do like to stop and tell people, hey, check out what you just said and what that represents in terms of a human life, and that's pretty amazing. That's pretty great, you know, because I don't think, especially in comedy, we're always looking to shit on each other and yeah. tear stuff down and kind of which I don't I don't think is necessarily in and of itself a bad thing. No, when it's that, aimed yeah. at the right at thing. The right but when thing, you aim exactly. it at yourself. Oh boy. Sometimes it's a problem. Oh, tell me about it. How did you start to get interested in kind of that that kind those kind of topics? Is it something that you always had in you or Yeah, I think it's something I, I always had just because um of the life that I grew up in. Like I you know, my mom's a single parent and uh she was in an abusive relationship and we had like a lot of negative things going on. So and I lived in like the south side of Chicago pretty rough area. But one thing, um and I've been talking about this with my mom lately that I and my therapist uh, is that I realized it was like, oh, my mom really went out of her way to like take me to museums and take me to concerts and like I mean, the, the first con- like I don't even recall, but the first concert I ever went to was to go see see BB King and Muddy Waters and these blues festivals, all these like legendary things that were. Um, Free, but they took effort on her part, especially as being a single mom and working all the time, and um, and dragging a kid around. Yeah, is no fun. dragging two kids around. Yeah, oh yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, she had me two. and my sister. So, uh, but what that did was really kind of like kept my mindset open about possibilities and other things being around, and it made me very positive. And I think I and just my natural demeanor have always been pretty positive. Uh, but it was something that especially either growing up in Chicago or when I started comedy wasn't a thing that people really enjoyed. I would kind of hide that part of me. Mm -hmm. I would just do just regular jokes and stuff. And then just from kind of doing my podcast and and then dating some some women who were like, I like this part about you. I like that you like talking about your feelings and that you like um, that you're open to go into like meditations and dealing with crystals and all these things. She's like, these are things that you like and these are unique things and you should be open. You should talk about it. And so Mm -hmm. just more about me being open like, hey, this is who I am and this is who I've always been and now I'm more confident in saying it. Yeah. Tell me more about your mom. Like, who who is she? Where is she from originally and what kind of person is she? Uh, my mom is from Chicago. She is, What type of person is she? She's just very honest. Uh, she worked for the Salvation Army for most of her career. Um, you know, she would go in, in Chicago and visit people in lower income housing and, and help them out with, with, you know, 
whatever they needed as far as social work thing, trying to get them into the right program so that they could get out of that position. I see. And was she a, so she was a social worker? Yes. She, yeah. That, and she had gone to school to mm-hmm. for social work? Yeah. And Those people are amazing to me. I yeah. Mean, I don't even think of myself as that selfish, but I – I don't know. I do like. I feel like I'm too selfish to devote myself to people, other people that much. Like I just think I would. I don't know. Like I say, I'm not. I'm not a bad person, but I just think I'm. I'm too self involved to be like. Well, what about me? Like, yeah. what do I have to say? And Same. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I didn't get that. From her. <laughs> uh, but she's always been like that. My mom is really into helping the less fortunate and just helping people in general. And um, so she did that for most of her career and, we, and took care of me and my sister in, in Chicago. And then at some point she decided that she wanted to become a nurse. And so she just, uh, in her late 40s, she just went back to school and got her nursing degree and then um, became a nurse for a couple of private companies for a while, and she didn't really like that. And so she started being a nurse at a prison. Um, and she really enjoyed that for a while until I was like, hey, I'm doing better. I have my son come live with me. Um, and so she's been living with me for the last year. Oh, wow. That is a real testament to a good relationship, to have your mother come live with you. Even for, oh, Jesus, that's my call. That's my phone. I, I thought you had sound effects. No, no, no. That's just my Buck Owens ringtone. Uh, I forgot to turn my phone up. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Uh, <laughs> your relationship with your mom. Wow, <laughs> um, No, I mean, that is great that you all can live together. I mean, even, you know, the free child care, of course. Yeah, it's helpful. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That, that's sort of like my sister sometimes will, I mean, over the years, as she's, you know, will complain about my mother, and I'll be like, well, you got to, if you. If you want a little more distance, you got to pay for childcare. You yeah. can't, you know, that's the price you pay to have to have your kids get taken care of. Is you get mom gets to say whatever she wants. Yeah, and my mom is like she's just really chill, and um, our relationship wasn't always that way for sure. Especially when I like she was supportive when I started stand up, but then as the years went by, and I still wasn't making any money, and when I started, I. My son was already two years old, and uh-huh. so she— Oh, you started and your son was two. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so she was very concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a scary— le- I mean, were you concerned, or did you just kind of just felt like, I might as well do this because I want to do this? I was, Of course I was concerned about, like, not having any money. Yeah. But um, I also didn't see any other options for me. Like, I didn't have any other interests that— I knew um, I knew to need a career because I had my son, and also when my son was two, he had diagnosed with autism, and so I was like, I don't know if he's gonna live with me until he's eighteen, twenty, thirty. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he might need me to take care of him long after I'm gone. Yeah, and so I was like, I need a career. I need something I can actually focus on for twenty, thirty years yeah, that yeah. can make me. Real money, um, and I didn't have any other interests. It was always like I just like comedy and I like pro wrestling, and I didn't I didn't think I could be a pro wrestler. <laughs> well, now you can. I'm working on it. I uh, went to school. No, I can't. I went to school for three months, and I found out that I am not naturally inclined at that. <laughs> what was uh, What was wrong? I mean, uh, tumbling. Art. Like yeah, I could yeah. I could tumble, but I couldn't get back up. Like my leg, my I was like, I'm down here now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And they made you do a lot of squats, and it, I threw up a lot. It, I have, I do have like good commitment. Like I was like, I could do it. I sure. went and I did it. You could cut a promo. Yeah, I could definitely yeah. cut a promo. And those the only things I was good at was showing emotion. It was right. Like they when I would lock up with people, they were like, oh, you're like good at like growling at Telling people. Telling the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But as far as actually like. I'm not very coordinated. I'm not, you know, I've, I've never been that athletic at all. So yeah. um, it's just not not meant for me. All those things are pretty important yeah. for professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always, uh, I, I'm not as much of a wrestling fan anymore, but I was throughout my youth. And uh, I always thought it was just like taking bumps. And that's so like in pratfall comedy that you do mm-hmm. as you're growing up, falling downstairs convincingly. Like I used to really be able to do a funny fall downstairs. 
and only hurt myself a little. Yeah. You know what I mean? You sort yeah, of, and the meat. Like, sure, it hurts. Yeah. You know, but it's, it doesn't hurt as much as it looks like. Yeah. And then I got, I don't know, I got to be about, it was probably my early 30s. And I found out, like, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> what used to sort of hurt for a day now hurts for two weeks. Yeah. Well, that's also the thing with wrestling where I was like, oh, eventually I'm going to get hurt. Because even yes. people who are good at this get hurt. Oh, they live a life of pain and, you know. Yeah. So why am I going to be me- mediocre at it yeah, and get yeah. hurt? Like, that doesn't make sense. And they started talking about, like— they were like, you guys can come in and help build the ring. And, and if you, I, I would, if you're serious about this, I would think about paring down to a part time job and really focus on this and, and all the sacrifice you need to make. And I was like, I already did this. Like, yeah, yeah. I already slept in my car for, for comedy. I'm not yeah. going to do it for wrestling. for wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Which is supposed to be fun. Yeah. It's just my hobby. Uh, let's go back a little bit. We're kind of hopping all over the place here. It's um, fun. I know, but still, I, you know, I want to, yeah. I want to kind of, I don't want to get to the end before the we get to the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, uh, how about your dad? What's your dad like? Or I mean, if you want to talk about him, yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. I don't usually. Do you? Do you? Are you still in touch with him at all? Or? No, not particularly. Yeah. Um, my dad and I. It's a complicated relationship. Another thing of dealing with in therapy. Yeah. Uh, because my dad, I didn't have a relationship with him when I was young. Like, I don't recall him being there when I was a. Young. Did your mom and dad split up? Yeah, when I was four. Four, okay. Yeah, but I so but so I don't remember him being there. Yeah. And he had um his own drug issues for a while and was kind of just floated around for a bit. And got his life together and was there for me when I really needed him. My mom was in a bad relationship. Um I was not doing well in Chicago. And my dad was there, and he was going to Oregon, and he was uh, um, he gave me the ability to go live with him in Oregon, which really about changed. what age were you there? Twelve. Uh, Twelve. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Was that a rough transition? I mean, just kind of then reconnecting or connecting with him in the first place, like going and living with this man that you hadn't really known very well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. A lot of button heads. A lot of like. Trying to like discipline me now, but I'm like, you don't know me, <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. know. And he also was dealing with the fact that he was in a bad relationship with a lady who had two kids who wasn't particularly stoked that I was there, and mm. then eventually my sister was there. So like that caused a lot of issues between the two of them and between us. But I still like I and again dealing with therapy where I was like, I really um, am thankful. That my dad did that for me, mm-hmm. like that he if he wasn't there for me at that time, I don't know how my life would have turned out. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I was not doing well in Chicago, and I was fighting my mom's boyfriend a lot, and I just don't think my life. I don't think I would have been a comedian for sure because my mom was very, very much on top of things and very much like, you're going to go do this and you're going to make sure you don't end up like your dad and do these things. So, like, I would have been some manager of some grocery store or something. Yeah, yeah. So I needed to get away from that in order to do that. Um, But my dad and I don't really have a relationship now just because I still have resentment from the past, from those things, and then me being a father and being there for my son kind of also then made me be like, and I understand that I have to have some forgiveness as far as there being drug issues, but I'm just like, I have my son when I was 19. You know, I remember she was pregnant when I was 19. My son was born just after I turned 20, and my son has autism, and I had no money, and I'm just like, I'm here, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, I'm figuring this out, and you you weren't there. Yep. And I understand then, then he was there later when I needed him, and I really appreciate that. But then there's also some other issues where he's like, my dad has like five kids, six different women. Uh, I guess that doesn't make sense. Well, <laughs> just reverse maybe, it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe at some point they transplanted the embryo. <laughs> He's got a bunch of kids, a bunch of different women. Let's not do the precise math. Um, well, fine. That's not precise math. That's pretty obvious math. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my dad had like a son pretty late in life. I have like a, a brother who is like he's probably like fourteen now. Uh-huh. And when so when I was younger, a little bit later, I was trying to reconnect with my dad, and I was like probably my early thirties. 
uh, probably 30, 31, and I like this kid a lot because he reminded me of me. And yeah. He loves wrestling, video games. He's got the same little fat cheeks that I had when I was a kid. And I remember just talking to one of my cousins, and they were talking about how they had taken him out and to, like, taught him how to go shoot guns and stuff. And not like, not like, you know, not like people in the forest, just like people in the in middle. The backyard. Yeah, or, yeah, not yeah. even really back, like in the alley in Long Beach, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like near gang members and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, like. Oh yeah, you're like my dad is like he's well-meaning and stuff, but overall he doesn't surround himself with people that are in his best interest yeah. or in the best interest of the people around him. And I'm like, yeah. and if you don't know that your kid is being taken around to go shoot things, yep. like I can't, I can't obvious be around mistakes, this. big yeah. obvious mistakes where you just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. And it's you don't hard even to be know. around those people, yeah. Yeah, and so that at, that was the day I kind of made a decision where I'm like, I love, like I love you, and I appreciate, I appreciate you, but I can't have a relationship with you because something's gonna happen either with them or with us or like, God forbid. I mean, it has happened where like I did the the one movie with Kevin Hart. Like I do all these other things, but like the one movie I did with Kevin Hart years ago. Then all of a sudden, people are like, Hey, don't forget where you came from and all this stuff. And it's like you. I don't know you. Yeah, you weren't yeah, there. Like, yeah. the people who I know, I was already talking to. Yeah. And so I had to then just have to be like, I had to kind of cut out that side of my family, mostly my dad's side of my family. I have a few, like my cousins I still talk to, but for the most part, I don't really deal with them. Yeah. You touched on a little bit. I think for most people, their father becomes a model for parenting. And I think frequently that either takes a negative, they become a negative model or a positive model. You know, like like you want to copy what they did or you want to do the opposite of what they did. Yeah. And was your dad, do you think your dad, was he a capable of, like, was he an affectionate person? Was he capable of showing love? And, you know, in like, not just in taking care of you and getting you out of a situation, but. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. He, he was capable of showing love and, and I knew that he cared about me. Um, I just don't think he was good at the nuts and bolts of the mm-hmm. job, you know. So it's a mixed bag. It's yeah. real complicated. I still got issues with it now. My sister and him have a, a relationship. Like, they talk to each other, but, like, we we just don't. Yeah. I think, too, it's, I mean, for me, being a grown-up is like having, the whole key to being a grown-up is having two completely contradictory things existing at once, which is like, you appreciate and love your dad and for what he did, but you also, like, see all these shortcomings and all these, like, and like you said, because I do the same thing with my parents and there's particular moments where I feel like there were, like, there was just kind of ways that my dad lived his life and that I kind of took the story about, you know, like, kind of that, like, because he, he had avenues where he could have gone and made more money. And I don't mean you know, become a hedge fund guy. I just mean within his, he was a college instructor and he could have, you know, there were some sacrifices he could have made to like make some more money. And he just kind of, he had a good reasons to why he didn't, but, and I took those reasons and like, okay, that makes sense to me. That's why you don't contribute financially. And then when I became a father, it was like instantly like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, the minute you have that kid, you realize, like, I was already kind of doing show business, so that was my job. But it's like doing some shitty commercial that's sort of humiliating, like, oh, fuck my humiliation, or or a really dumb TV show. Like, because, you know, you pick and, you know how to you yeah. pick and choose. There's some shit you're embarrassed to do. And then there's other shit where it's like, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I got to pay for these kids, you know? So... You have, on the one hand, the love and respect and appreciation and, and you know, and also kind of the responsibility. Like, you, they're responsible for who you are, mm-hmm. good and bad. But then, on the other hand, there's like the, man, you let me down then. And, you know, there's no time machine or anything, but yeah. you let me down now. You well, know? I think you just, especially having a kid, you learn that, like, oh, 
being a parent isn't like someone on a pedestal. It's just another adult who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying, and they trying. Keep, keep that a secret. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta act like you know what's going sure, on. Sure, absolutely. But you don't. Yeah. You're just hoping for the best, and you're trying hard. And so, in a lot of ways, um, it causes a lot of forgiveness. And like it, it has with my mom and my, my the relationship that we had. There's things that we went through, and there were a lot of things that she dealt with with both me and her other family members when she sent us to Oregon where they were like, oh, you, you're like, why don't you just get rid of this guy that you're with and instead you're sending your kids away, yeah. you know? And she had to deal with that and, and it turned out to be the best situation. My sister's now a doctor. I'm on, de- I make more money than her for doing less work. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and getting high a lot more. Yeah, yeah. a lot more than yeah, her, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> um, and so things really, really worked out and I just had to be like, you know, like you did the best that you could. But then on the flip side, it also kind of, gave me this other side where it's like oh I know the sacrifices that are, you, are there and I know the decisions I know the choices yeah. and you just chose another way and I can understand that and I can have sympathy for that but that doesn't mean I like that Yeah, you know it doesn't mean that I truly understand that because I was put in the same position and I made another choice yeah at the time when you went to live with your dad. I mean, did your mom have an explanation for you? Or, or you know, you don't have to answer and we can cut it out if you don't want no, to. No, I'm, I'm pretty open about yeah. it. I mean, my mom's thing was just that she she was in a bad relationship with this, like, gang member dude and she couldn't get out of it. He, She tried. She would call the cops all the time and they would show up a little bit late. Like, she tried and he would just show up at the house. He ruined a lot of holidays and birthday parties uh, for me uh, by just busting through a... Uh, sleepover I was having so then I had less friends uh, but then she just couldn't get rid of them and so she was decided you know the best choice of action was to get her kids out of that if she couldn't yeah. get out of that situation she had to get her kids out of that do you situation. think she still loved him at that point I mean was it complicated in that way or was it I think it- she was lonely yeah I think she was lonely and I think she didn't um, she was divorced and she had two kids and I think like a lot of people you're like oh nobody who would want me and so like some, when somebody shows you that they at least kind of care about you, they're giving you a little bit of something, even if they're horrible, you'll make a lot of excuses. Yeah. We all do that, whether we're male or female. We make excuses for or compromises for um, what we need just so that we won't be lonely. Yeah. You know? I think, and I think even like the crazy shows of of, of wanting you. Are still, you're still wanting, you know, it's still yeah. somebody wanting you, you know, yeah. like somebody busting into your sleepovers, like that sucks and that's selfish, but it's like, but the, they're still in there is, oh, this person cares about me. Mm-hmm. This is some kind of love, you know? Yeah. 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 Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, We have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Now, about fathering, how did you approach fathering? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, all of a sudden, you're a dad. Well, you got to think about it, don't you? I mean, 
Or about how to do it or becoming one? Because I did not think about becoming one. No, not becoming one. No, but when you're presented with, okay, now you got a baby. Yes. you got to raise this baby. Yes. And you are a thoughtful, sensitive, loving person. Thank so you got to, well, you, you are quite, quite demonstrably. I don't remember it exactly, but like I didn't have a real good model for fathering because mm-hmm. my folks divorced when I was four. Mm-hmm. And my dad just wasn't... I want to say it wasn't his fault, but I mean, he could have been there more. I mean, I only saw him a couple of weeks a year. He only lived four hours away. I would not have. Yeah, he could done, have been there more. Yeah, I would not have done the same way. And, you know, and actually I'm going through a divorce right now and I'm learning to, I mean, why, my wife and I were married for 25 years and I'm trying to figure out, I live four minutes away and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with the fact that I'm not in my children's life enough mm-hmm. now. I mean, and I, like I say, I live four miles away or four minutes away. So I didn't really have a good model for fathering. And I, I think I just ended up mothering. Like I, think, <laughs> I think I just like, I did what my mother did, sort of. I mean, you know, with, with some notable exceptions. You know? <laughs> like some, I mean, I don't mean, no bre- I don't mean breastfeeding. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't mean the obvious one. I mean, like, I mean, there was some stuff that wasn't that hot. So I'm like, I think I'll skip that one. <laughs> uh, but I mean, did you, I mean, did you just kind of take it day by day? I mean, that is what um, so much is. Yeah, a lot of it is day by day. A lot of it was pressure. But for me, like my, I always say, like my son really like, he saved my life. Like he made, I wouldn't have been a comedian if he wasn't born and didn't have autism. Like I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't. You think the autism even so? Oh, for sure. Really? For sure. Because the pressure that it put on you to for care. Yeah, for pressure to call me for care and for uh, for a couple reasons. So um. I'll tell you, just give you a little bit of background. So, well, you know, that's what we're here for. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I was just kind of living my life. I had my girlfriend, my first girlfriend when I was in high school, um, 18. I'm late bloomer. In uh, Chicago, right? In Oregon. In, in Oregon, Oregon at okay. this time. And um, we're just hanging out, smoking a lot of pot together, taking gravity bong hits, not really floating around doing anything. I didn't have any drive. I went to community college for like three weeks and did not enjoy it. So I left. Um, so I was just floating around, really doing nothing, working at a cashier at a grocery store. And I got my um, ex-wife pregnant and, and we decided that we were going to keep it. And, and it just I was like, oh, I got to do something. So I quit smoking pot. I worked at a I got a job at a bank call center and I just was I wore a tie (laughs) 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 and and shirts with buttons and I just went and I did that for a while and I was just trying to be responsible because I for the most part um you know and I I didn't really want to be with my wife I didn't like you know this was my first girlfriend and yeah but I once we were having my son it kind of just kicked in with me stuff with my dad where I was like we're going the opposite way I'm gonna stay with my lady I'm gonna be with my son I'm gonna get a good job I'm gonna focus and I'm gonna buckle down and I'm gonna I'm gonna show my dad you know yeah and I did that for a while, and I was kind of miserable because I hated that job at the bank. My relationship was not going going well, but I just loved my son for sure. And then when my son was diagnosed with autism, it kind of just, like, broke my mind a little bit. In a lot of ways, it was, you know, scary and, and, and tragic at the time because you have all these expectations of what you want and what your son could be and yeah. MBA and all this other stuff. Lawyer. Um, and not that he couldn't do those things, but— it really just kind of goes like, oh, now I just care about his happiness and take care of him. And my son's different. And that kind of really rang with me. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm different. Like, yeah. I don't want to be doing this. Like, and I always, like, when people ask, I tell the story of, I went to this park with my son and my ex-wife. And it was this same park that me and my ex-wife would go to when we were teenagers and smoke pot out. Same park we would take my son to and push him on the swing and... We went there, and there was a group of disabled adults with their caretakers, and they were just, like, treating them like they were correctional officers and they were prisoners, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. They're just yelling at them and just not, like, no respect for them. And it really, like, it, that was the moment where I was like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that for my son. At yeah. some point, I'm going to be gone, and he might need someone to take care of him. So I need to either make sure that 
I have someone in his life that's taking care of him, or I need to make so much fucking money that when I pay them, they're never going to treat him like that. Right. And so at that point, I was like, I need a career. I need a thing I do. And that I was, I knew then I was like, the only thing that I was interested in that's, that I was, would start at the bottom of was comedy. Yeah. And so that's kind of was the motivation for me to do stand up. And it still took a few more months of me kind of like, working the regular job, but once I started, I just fell in love and was like, this is it. And um, so I think, I don't know where I was going with that. No, uh, <laughs> you're just talking. No, something that just strikes me about that story, because it's the kind of thing that strikes me about like just uh, how fucked up capitalism is, <laughs> but just that like if we had the kind of healthcare system that made sure that people taken you know, developmentally disabled adults to a park and treating them like shit. Like if we had a healthcare system that made sure that didn't happen, and we have a healthcare system that made sure that somebody like you with a little kid who has a disability has to think, I got to make a shitload of money to make sure my child isn't mistreated. That's just wrong that that system isn't there. But if that system were there, you wouldn't have become an artist. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's so fucked up the way Cruelty and, you know, injustice has a way of pr- sometimes producing beauty. Yeah. It's fucking weird, you know. That yeah, is weird. Yeah. So can I ask specifically, just because I'm not that familiar with autism, mm-hmm. um, what kind of, and you can, again, any of this stuff, you can just say no and, and we can edit around it. Like what kind of symptoms did he manifest that made you know that something was going on? Um, when he was really young, it was we were just knew something was up. Like for a while, we were concerned that he was deaf because mm. he just wouldn't really respond to you to sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah but and like he would respond to certain sounds. Huh. Like if he heard the Elmo theme song to Elmo's World, his head would just whip around. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like oh, okay, well he can hear. Right. But he's just like, but you could be behind him going, Malcolm, Malcolm, you know, and he just wouldn't respond. Yeah. Um, and he was very obsessive about certain things. His sleep schedule, that was one of the main issues. Um, so I'd say he would just watch this videotape of the um, Jungle Book and he would just and you know, a lot of kids like they like have a favorite movie and mm-hmm. they like watch the whole movie and then just like again, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I was used to that. That's how like, their brains yeah, learn. With yeah, my little cousin, but my son would just do that with like scenes. Like he would watch a scene and then just rewind that scene and mm. then just play that scene again and rewind that scene and play that scene again and it was just like so much. Yeah. That I was like, I was like, this does this is like obsessive. Yeah. And then his sleep schedule, like he was there was a time period where. Um, he would sleep from 2 a.m. till 5 a.m. every day consistently for like six months. And, like, and that was it? That was it. Oh, yeah. my God. No naps. Oh. Everything else was just, and he, the rest of the day, he was just, boom, firecracker. Oh. And so he would go down at like 2 and then we'd just conk out and yeah. just, boom, up. At five. I remember with my, our first kid, because he was colicky and he didn't sleep well, and I remember just reading something where it said, one of the basic forms of torture is sleep deprivation. Yeah. And it's like, as a parent, you're like, I'm being fucking tortured yeah. by this kid. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. His, his nickname was Little Dictator. Because <laughs> he, was, he was the boss. And yeah. Like, yeah, some um, temperament things like... Um, he just didn't like if you couldn't say he did anything bad like if sure like because if it, he took that very personal and then he'd want to bite your finger um, and you had to let him bite your finger or he would just screech until the cops would get called. There's a lot of that. A lot of cops getting called. Wow. Like, um, if he didn't get an item, he would throw these big tantrums that make it so like people thought you were kidnapping him and. Just like for the most part, and it's just not like, and people be like, oh, a bad kid. It's just like, but no, like a very sweet, well-mannered kid until he, but very particular. Yeah. And if he wasn't getting the particular needs met, then all hell broke loose. Yeah, yeah. And there's no amount of 
people don't understand. You know, there's no amount of parenting or discipline or yeah. or behavioral correction no that can do anything about that. You no, know? it's just he needed that. He needed that toy. Yeah, and that you not providing this toy is providing him with physical pain in yeah. some way. Now you have you have custody of your son. Mm-hmm, yeah. And at what age did that start? Um, that happened when he was. Now, um, so 11, I think. Yeah, 11. 11. How old is he now? 16. 16. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. I remember him. I think I first met him probably eight years ago. Yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how's he doing now? I mean, oh, he's so good right now. He's so great. Um, going to school, yeah, he's in high school, he's killing it, doing real well, long division. He's doing some, some. Some homework that I have trouble with. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's virtually all the homework. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just really well-mannered. It makes me so happy. He's almost taller than me now, which is crazy. He's very fuzzy. Um, he just has little patches of fur on his cheeks, but he refuses to let me shave them. Because he, <laughs> he likes them. Right, of course. He's like, I'm getting a manly. Yeah, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's just um very sweet, well-mannered kid. I love like now that we have the house and everything sometimes i just wake up to hearing him splashing in the pool and stuff yeah yeah that's great all the things that make me happy from the days when i was like man we used to like i used to really be concerned about how he's gonna get you dinner by the end of the day you know and now it's just kind of nice um knowing that i'm like good at being a dad i really enjoy being a dad and i love like I like being a single dad. I like having custody of my son. And, and, and also because it mostly gives me purpose. It gives me um, reasons to say no. It gives me, it changed the way I dated for sure, especially mm-hmm. when I got custody of my son. There were certain women where I was like, oh, I wouldn't let you around him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I'll, let you around, I, I'll let you around me. Yeah. Yeah, but not around him. Yeah. 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 And so I really, yeah, so, but that changed. We were like, oh, I, I should have date someone that I would let around my son. Right. You know? Right. And so all positives. Yeah. And so, and I also think that what my comedy has been super positive because I've always talked about how, like, I have a really good balance because I talk about video games and and just the dumbest shit, but I also can talk about, like, what it's like to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I can talk about what is these fears, and I can talk about, like, um, when I talk about my son, people can hear the love I have for him, and I think if I didn't have that, then I'm just, like, your regular, like, stoner comic yeah. so to have that balance. without any kind of substance yet. yeah exactly. tell me about the transition of when you did start because i imagine you didn't always like you didn't do open mic nights about like hey get a load of my autistic son you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's over in yeah. the corner <laughs> hear that yelling that's him uh tell me about the transition of when you decided to start opening up about that situation. I mean Um, it just really became a thing that he's funny. He's really funny. A lot yeah. of the things that he does are hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so it felt weird and my comedy's personal. I don't like doing topical jokes. I don't like doing political jokes. I like talking about where we get like I'm I'm kind of selfish. So yeah, yeah. I like talking about me. I like talking about the things I like. Yeah. And so my son is a, I love him. So it's like, why was I avoiding talking about him? Why would I avoid talking about something I love? Especially when I realized that's the type of comedy I wanted to do. Sure. I didn't want to do the like, oh, well, this is what I hate this week. This is what I'm, you know, which was kind of very popular when I started of just like tearing things down. But I was just like, I have to say those same jokes every week at yeah, different yeah. clubs, and I gotta be like angry every week. I go mm-hmm. do these things. I I don't want to do that. I want to talk about what I love. Yeah, I want to talk about what makes me happy. And so, um, that's my son. And so yeah, it was became a thing where, and I was scared that people would think I was making fun of him, uh, or that they would just. Or they would feel open to then make fun of him, and sometimes that happened when I was first starting. I, I would get some feedback like that, and I remember one comic was just like, I like that joke you do, um, and I hate using this word, but I'm just quoting. And she's like, I love that joke you do about your retarded son. And I was just like, that's not 
that's not what I'm doing at all. Mm. Like you not you don't get this. That guy all. sounds great. Yeah, well, it was a lady. So. Oh my! Oh fuck! <laughs> it was a lady who's uh. a school teacher. Uh. So. <laughs> uh, there you go, folks. <laughs> just teaching your kids and doing and doing doing, and doing, sets, doing sets on the side. Yeah, yeah. That's I think too. It's you know, I mean, it can be a chilly thing when you do a. I mean, we deal with it all the time on the Conan Show where there'll, there'll be a joke that we'll do about, like, that might be about a sensitive topic. Like, you know, like you come out and you say, like, I have a child with disabilities. That can chill an audience. They're going to be like, okay, I can't laugh because I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared if I laugh, I'll look like an asshole. And, I, you know, and so they just, I think a lot of people when they get, when you, like, if you do a joke about death or you do a joke about, abortion or something that like they'll be like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yeah. laugh you know or you know or like me we we've done you know even jokes about like gay rights people are like oh no i can't no one can hear me laughing about gayness which is like there's a lot of fucking funny shit about gayness you know people need to relax yeah <laughs> um, it's a pride month uh, yeah pride knows. is hilarious yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean hilarious and great and everything you know it is but some of the outfits hilarious i know you know what's funny is i my son is my son's 18 and he's gay and last year and they're he's been so matter-of-factly gay he's been out since he was 11 years old to us and like I said, like I've said, he he came out to us in eleven, and then we didn't talk about it again because he's like, yeah, I'm not letting you into my yeah fucking sexuality and yeah. my dating life. You know, it's like, which is like, yeah, cool. It's you know, it's the same thing as a son that doesn't want his parents in his business, but he's just dating yeah. boys instead of girls. But last year, coming up on Pride, because Pride's a big deal to my wife. She really, you know, she's been a big ad, and I mean, in gay people, our life has been just peopled with so many populated with so many amazing gay people and so many of our best friends. It's just the best people I've ever known are gay and um, in my personal life. And so my wife is very excited about Pride and always have been very supportive. And she asked my son and his boyfriend, she said, are you guys going to Pride? And they had never been to Pride. They're 17 then. And my son's boyfriend goes, um... Are there going to be food trucks? <laughs> like the whole notion of That's like. That's so beautiful. I know. He has, like, they have some, they know what Stonewall is. You know, they have a conception of like what it used to be like. But really to them, they're like, why go, why fight the traffic unless there's going to be food trucks? You know? <laughs> and it is kind of beautiful. It you know? is. Like, they don't see the need for they it. They don't see the need for it. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's a bittersweet thing to show gay friends my age my son's prom pictures they 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 think it's so beautiful but they're also there's a part of them that's like i never got to have that yeah you know yeah, yeah that's they have a lot of that in the black community too yeah i met yeah part of that where there, some people especially like some older black people don't get me where they're just like why aren't you fighting and i'm like because life is great yeah, you yeah, know there's yeah. a little flare up now right <laughs> We'll get back on track. Yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, and also everybody's got to do their own thing. You know, some people are going to be on the front lines and some people yeah. are going to be serving soup. You know what yeah, I mean? But and to me, I mean, I get it. I'm all for quality, but there's to me, there's a basicness. There's like a weirdness when you're like so defined by your sexuality or by your race where that's like, that's your like entire life. Yes. is like. I gotta, you know, you know, I just got, you know, when I'll just speak for black people, it's just like, I gotta like all black, all the time, black friends, black wife, black everything, black owned stores. And I'm just yeah. like, I get the positivity of that. Right. I get the right. support of that. But to me, it's like, that's so restrictive. Why would I live my, I, I just like cool people of all races mm -hmm. and all colors. I, I know white people who are great, white people who are assholes. You say you know all the gay people in your life are wonderful? I know some fucking horrible oh, gay I, people. Oh, believe me, I know. <laughs> I do too. I just was being nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you, I, I mean, it's like, I'm always, I'm always like a little disappointed, especially, this happens a lot in sketch comedy, where a sketch, you know, there'll be like a, a gay sketch comedy group where everything's about being gay or, and there have been, you know, like there have been, you know, as brilliant as Dave Chappelle was, I always felt like a little bit, 
of his show was like every sketch was kind of about being black. And I kind of just wanted to know, like, I wanted to see more sketches about being bored or, or, yeah, or working, yeah, cereal or working in a store, you know. Um, But I think that the kind of that's what the marketplace demands, you know. Yeah, it seems right now, especially, it's a lot about like what label can we put on you to market you specifically to your race or your political group or anything. And so it makes it hard for kind of people like me who are just like, I just want to be good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, there was just a headline in one of the trades, Kay Cannon, you know, who's done a bunch of amazing things sold a a sitcom and it said female comedy like they were like female comedy you mean a comedy you know yeah. like 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 it's got to be so notable that there's a woman in charge you know yeah life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? We've been covering good ground here, but I want to talk about, I want to change the subject to something, which to people who know you and people who've known you over the years... The most obvious physical change in you over these years has been weight loss. And it's a topic that's, you know, near and dear to my stomach. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about that transformation in yourself. I mean, tell me about, like, you know, like your identity before and, Mm -hmm. like, had you always kind of been a heavy kid? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely a husky kid uh, wearing husky clothes. Um, this is kind of my, my thing. Again, now, to finding out years later through therapy, I, if no, if you're not in therapy, I recommend it. Um, is just that I just always had a bad relationship with food, always use it to cope for things, yep. you know. Um, I do jokes about it now, where it's like, if I had a bad day, my whole thing was like, I just go eat a whole box of chocolate and a mint donut. Sounds good right now. <laughs> <laughs> and just bad relation with food. Never, um, never had a background in like being very active either. Yeah, you know. And so I just heavy dude, but I could carry it well. I'm. I was always going to be a heavier person. Yeah. you know. But um, just kind of, you know. When I was in my 20s, like 280 to something, you know, around there. And then everything was kind of always kept in check by the fact that I was also super poor. So I couldn't really afford to buy a bunch of things. And then when I got my first TV role, um, I had money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I can order cheesesteaks for lunch and dinner. And so I like w- went from being like 280, 290 all the way up to 360. Oh, wow. And my mom was very concerned and um she had been mentioning a lot some random strangers had been mentioning and like when i fell asleep on a plane and the lady was like i think you got sleep apnea and i was like i don't like hearing that yeah yeah um and then like just bill bill lawrence on the show he was just like yeah we hire we in the role at the breakdown you are supposed to be a large dude but you are just funny and i noticed that you were trying to lose weight and then it didn't stick <laughs> and yeah. and so um he introduced me to my trainer and um, that really got me. Jurgen, Jurgen, yeah, Jurgen to me, and um, I've been with him for like what four or five years now, mm-hmm. um, and it's just been a steady um, goal of mine now, like with no end in sight. Really, I'm gonna go see him after this, but I, I'm really happy. I've lost like 140 pounds and trying to get it. 20 more is my goal. Yeah. Uh, but we never know how long that going to take. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's been, you know, the best thing for, for me in, in all regards. And my health is 100% better. My knees don't hurt. I yeah. can breathe a lot easier. My comedy is better, which I didn't think. Because a lot of people are assholes, you know. And just, oh, oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> 
It's, um, what, what do you mean your comedy's better? How do you think it's better? Um, a, I can do two shows and not get all winded and tired. Oh, wow. That's amazing for me. That was, I was used to be very tired after two shows. Um, and then just my, my ability to, um, be more active on stage. I'm yeah. more, my speech pattern is a little bit better now. It's a little, like, I talked to my girlfriend and she was like, you can't do some of these older jokes because they don't have the same rhythm anymore because you couldn't breathe then. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so everything had a little extra pause of me taking another breath. Wow. And, you know, and, and I, I kind of like my rhythm a little bit better now, but you still have the people who are always like, you know, which I don't understand because they're skinny. They don't say skinny comedians. If you put on 10 pounds, you're not funny anymore. I know. I that know. doesn't make any sense. I've had, because I recently lost 40 pounds after, you know, and, and I mean, and like I got, under 250 for the first time in about 20 years. And uh, and I'm the same way. I'm always going to be like, I got, you know, like I'm, I always. Sick men. Yes. I got, I got fucking cast iron skeleton. I wear like a size eight hat. Like, <laughs> I could lose, I could lose weight all day and my fucking skull isn't going to shrink. Mm -hmm. Every watch I've ever bought, I got to get an extra links or longer strap. I just am a large person. But going under, like going under 250 for the first time in all those years, I have had people tell me like, well, don't lose too much. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's amazing how there's just shit like that where you're like, people by now, like we got social media, we got all kinds of sensitivity out there. That's just one of those things you don't tell somebody, you mm -hmm. know, like. Shut the fuck up, man. How about just, hey, good for you, buddy. Yeah. Don't you, lose too much. I bet you're feeling good. Yeah. How about Don't lose that? too, okay, what What are you talking about? Like, yeah, but you know what I think it is, is that I think with certain people, um, we kind of become their effort and their fatness barometer. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, don't don't lose too much because then if you become more fit than me, then I got to look at my life. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Although Martin Short was one of them that said that, and that's, he's not, he's always going to be more fit than me, but he just is kind of a, and I say this with absolute love, kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's sort of like the best dick in the world. Yeah, he's I can see that. Oh, he's one of the best. It's like, I, you know, I've had the, like two of the greatest things that have ever happened to me were to be insulted by Don Rickles and to be insulted by Martin Short. Like if you, like everyone you could you go to the grave happy if you get insulted by those two men. So yeah, but he was one of them that said it to me. He's like, "Don't, because then you start to look a little sick." You know? Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's when people get the um, like the uh, surgery, but they're not like changing their diet. So then they yes. like their faces look weird. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. But I think so. when you just lose in weight, you 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 start to look all glowy, you look <laughs> real good. I certainly feel glowy. Yeah. I'm like carrying around this fucking suitcase. It's like you said, the knees. The knees are for me. It's like oh my god, I I got new knees all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, that's great. Congratulations and everything. Thank Congratulations you. to both of us. Yeah. Hooray. Come on, ladies, line up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, we've done a lot about where you're from. Mm -hmm. And now where you're going, I imagine it's just kind of more of the same, right? You got any, like, specific goals that you're really shooting for? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I try to. I've been big in goal set and vision boarding. Love it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like you like pictures and stuff? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. How many? You got them hanging in your house? I got hanging them on my fireplace, yeah. How many you got right now? I got one. I do one every New Year's Eve. That's my New Year's Eve thing because I don't drink and I don't like going out that much, especially on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. Who unless does? I'm making money. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we usually have friends over. Same same stuff. I'll have people over there drinking. I'm yeah. smoking a little bit. And we just get the uh, magazines out, get the scissors, get the glue sticks out. And nice. we get a little vision board party and then we present them to each other and talk about our goals for the year and then like th around this time of year I go look at it and I adjust because we're about halfway through the year so that's that's my vision board but as far as my goals 
What kind of stuff's on there, if right. I may I ask? will tell you. Oh, all right. Jesus Christ, back off, you. buddy. I want to go to Japan. That's nice. on there. I've never been. Um, going to Australia was on there, but then I did that in April and did some shows in Australia. Awesome. So I was happy. Um, I want to make a show about being a single dad of a son with autism, because I think that could be a fun comedy. I think um, just a fun parenting comedy about, about raising a special needs son and also dealing with some of this relationship stuff with my ex-wife. And, and and show a new type of female character that would be really fun to me um, and I think just good for representation of not only men and dads on TV but black dads on TV yeah. and that's very important yeah, to yeah. me and then other than that I just want to keep getting better at comedy I'm, I'm, my main vision board was about staying committed so I'm trying to stay committed to my girlfriend stay committed to my, my stand up stay committed to my podcast um, which is currently not profitable but <laughs> <laughs> we'll plug it again yeah. getting better but getting better with Ron Funches it's good people really like it i get a lot of great feedback about it so check it out um but it's probably like my my most fun right now because i get to talk about things i really enjoy and, yeah um and so i just really focus on that and i just want to kind of have a lot of fun yeah i think that was kind of missing last year i got really focused on making a special and kinda, i got another thing where i was like oh netflix doesn't want it so i'm gonna prove you wrong and i and you did. And I did. Oh, it's really awesome. Did. You rubbed their nose in it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Netflix, if you're listening, I'm still a big fan and everything. Yeah, but, uh, I yeah, still yeah. go and I did laugh in. So. <laughs> <laughs> I still go get, take checks from them. It's nothing personal. It's all business. But it was just a, a disagreement on what we thought my value was. Uh, <laughs> and I was right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And, wow, that's awesome. But in that thing, though, is like I got so caught up in that that I just wasn't really having that much fun and I kind of was like I don't want to like I'm not rushing to go do another special right now I'm just yeah. like oh have fun it's my life I'm doing a lot of voiceovers I'm doing a couple movie voiceovers I'm doing and mostly cartoon I, stuff yeah isn't that fun it's so much fun it's really uh, that's one of the things that I can't believe I get to do I get to be cartoon voices yeah you know? it's such a blast my yeah. son really likes it yeah it's a lot of things that, um, that I really love I'm doing a voice in the Harley Quinn cartoon. Nice. So I get to be in that universe and that makes me really happy. And then I'm doing like a movie and then like it's like everybody else in it is real famous. Oh, wow. And so it's like crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. Like Shaka Khan is in it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is amazing. It's so crazy. See, when you said real famous, I was like The Rock, but I was like, yeah, The Rock, he's fine. I like him, but... Shaka Khan. Yeah. You do a cartoon with Shaka Khan. That's yeah. amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm doing a lot of that, and I'm just trying to do more, um, you know, regular acting. Just anything that makes me excited and, and it's fun and will help me because my son is almost, he wants to go UCLA. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. Do you think you'll ever be a dad again? Um, I'm open to it for yeah. sure. I'm not yeah. pushing for it. Um, it would be nice to do that without the constant fear uh, mm-hmm. that would be good you know and same you know new fears of just raising right, a kid right exactly but, I was going to say there's still constant fear when yeah, you have a but kid but the yeah. fear of like I don't have any money <laughs> like yes, the no. fear of Believe being me, like, I know oh my god being able to afford to buy a crib yeah, yeah. just knowing that I have crib money yeah. I bought my sister my sister's having a baby any day now I bought her she was just like um, she had a registry and most of it was taken care of and, and I'm like I'm a good brother, but I'm not all, I'm like always busy. So I'm always around. I'm just like, tell me what you need. What do you want? And she was just like kind of shy about it. And she was like, I want this stroller, but it's real expensive. And I was just like, no problem. And that made me feel so good. And I was just like, oh, I could do that if I had a kid. And I couldn't do that before. Everything was goodwill. Everything was secondhand. And so um, I'm open to the possibility of doing that, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to rush it. Yeah. Well, we're now, we're getting close to the end here. And I know you got to get to Jurgen. Got to get to you. Oh, I don't mind being late. I know. Joke, <laughs> isn't it true? There's times, like sometimes something will come up right at the end, uh, right at the last minute with my trainer. I'll be like, oh, darn it. I got to cancel. Oh, I'm really committed, though. Like, no, I know. Crazy. I'm the same way. I will go in after flights. I, did, I went in. 
landing on a like on like an overseas flight. Landed, yeah. came straight to the gym. I like I just some about it. I really I get real committed to it. But it's also after the week, like Sunday, I had my little cheat day, and we got some sushi. And then me and my girlfriend decided that the sushi was not of high enough quality. So then we also got fat burger. <laughs> <laughs> because fat burger is always of a very we knew we were, quality. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. be satisfied. There's from no the fat variable burger. there. The this, fat burger. When you were having, when you all week long, I'm eating like you know, yeah. egg whites and chicken and and protein shakes, and then a Sunday comes and the, I'm like, oh, I get to eat the sushi and it's garbage. I'm like, no, no, I know what you mean. We're having another cheat yeah. meal. Did you get the, do you get the fried egg on the fat burger? No, I usually just go with the bacon. Sometimes with the chili as mm. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been a fried egg guy, especially I with love, yolk. I'll put, I don't a fr- like I'll, I'll put a fried egg on a goddamn corpse at a funeral. I don't care. <laughs> you, there's nothing that can't be improved by a fried egg. I, I just, you know. But I get that. You, you, you look like a fried egg type of guy. <laughs> How dare you? Ron Funches, get out. Um, all right, we got we to gotta wrap this up. I do want to ask one thing. You, you do a podcast called Getting Better. Mm-hmm. You obviously are focused on healthfulness. And you are such a, you are really our lovely person. And from the first time I met you, I've always just been, you just are an attractive person. Just, you got a beautiful energy and you're, you radiate love and self-love. And it's just, it's, it's always been a, a joy to know you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I wonder, like, do you have, and this is a, this is such a cheap bullshit thing, but I mean, Getting better. What is what? What can you tell people? Like, what's like just sort of the little slogany way? What's the most important thing about getting better that you could give to people? Oh, I mean, it's kind of just wrapped up in the name. It's like it's not about. It's not called be the best. You know, yeah. it's not called get perfect. It's called getting better. And and part of that is um, having a real forgiveness of yourself and having a real thing of like, I'm going to make mistakes. I've, I've already made mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. And I got to let that go. The whole thing is that I'm, I'm going to try to keep moving forward and getting better at things and hopefully make less mistakes every time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it is a pro- problem when people have of like, I already feel like I'm so far gone or so much effort, but it's just like, taking that steps yeah. you know it's just about getting better every every day and, and that's what I'm real attracted to and what I've always been attracted to in my own life is like this kind of self-love of like and this focus of like it gives me something to do yeah if I'm not working on getting better what am I doing yeah, I'm just yeah. floating. if I don't have goals what am I doing it seems like there's like a lot of like apathy and a lot of like negativity around effort and around like trying because then people are like oh if you try and you fail then you look like an idiot and it's just like i'd rather look like an idiot yeah i'd rather look like an idiot because also i'm proof of that if you make an effort sometimes things work out yep and i wouldn't have that wouldn't have happened if i didn't try yeah you know and so that's really all it's about is just trying and having enough love of yourself to know that you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get sushi and then burger. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then the next day, I'm back in the gym. Yeah, yeah. Picking my protein shakes. And it's a process. It's a process that never ends. Never. Never, ever and ends. you don't want that. You keep doing it. Because if it ends, you dead. Yeah. Well, you keep doing it till you're in the ground. And that's that's just like, otherwise, you're, like I said, you're submitting you know, you're not thriving, you're submitting, and, and you might as well get in the ground. You know? Yeah, you're not leading your life, you're being pushed around by life. That's kind of the whole thing about me and about setting goals is before, and, and my son and everything, is that before all of that, it's just kind of a drift. I'm like, my whole life is just being on this ship that I don't have my hands on the wheel. And like now, I have my hands on the wheel, and that doesn't mean I don't get knocked off course, mm-hmm. but it just means at least when I get knocked off course, I'm not just spinning. Like, I'm still fighting against it yeah and and that is all i want to do i want to just keep trying and like you said keep having more opportunities because my life has been like i went from talk about with my girlfriend all the time like my life is so crazy like i used to worry about feeding my son used to live on a we didn't have beds we just had little mats and now i'm just like talking to my girl and i was just like you remember when in Australia and she's like oh yeah I forgot we were in Australia a few weeks ago and I was like I go not only that you remember just a few months before that we were flying around on private planes with Conan and then she's like oh yeah 
<laughs> and it's just like these are just things. It's like, oh, do you remember the month after that we were at Ric Flair's birthday party? And it's just like <laughs> you never know what could happen know, in amazing. your life. And and I'm still so young and still have so many things I'm not even close to achieving. And so I just want to keep swinging and keep my whole life is just keep me getting told no by more and more important people. And I'm gonna keep keep going with that. I love you, Ron Funches. I love you, Andy. You wanna you in particular, since giving compliments. When I first did the show and then we'd be like hit it off and came friends and then we're going to the gym, same gym and stuff. That was one of the first time where I was like, Oh man, like I'm like I'm doing something. Like I'm in comedy. Like oh, I'm wow. working here. Like because I know you and you're my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. And That's that meant nice. a lot to me because you you like and more beyond beyond the Conan show, like you know, you're just someone that I look up to a lot. Like I loved the sitcoms that you did. I loved all that stuff, and I love a lot of that effort that you made. That you were like, I'm a, I'm not like I do good at this job, but I'm gonna go and try and do other things oh, as well. And that that always um, was very inspiring to me. Thank so you, sure thank you. That, uh, that uh, honestly, that's really lovely to hear. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Hey, people, thank you for listening to Three Questions. This has been a good one. I really enjoyed this. And uh, you guys tune in next time, and we will have more goodness for you. Thank you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golitsa Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 